As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are going to once again take a look back at episode three of the Talent Magnet Institute. This was recorded in April of 2018 and was released in May of 2018 and is myself, Mike Sipple Jr., interviewing Shaquilla Ahmad, a great friend of mine, a mentor, someone who many of us in greater Cincinnati look up to and learn from every time we interact with Shaquille at the time of this interview was the board chair and president of the Islamic Center of Greater Cincinnati. We take a deep dive at what it means to know your neighbor. During this episode, when we talk about one of the best ways to break through prejudice and discrimination is to know your neighbor. Shaquilla shares what she's been doing to promote healthy and vibrant communities and is all about getting people together to learn about one another. The concept extends beyond faith and race, looking at poverty, domestic violence, social services needs that are all front and center of many people in this world. This dialogue we discuss around tolerance and kindness and how this doesn't just happen at the macro level. Instead, every one of us, whether we are business leaders or not, needs to be aware of what we are saying around our own families, especially around our children, who will then go and model our behavior for decades to come. So I hope you will enjoy this look back at episode three of the Talent Magnet Institute. You are currently listening to this as a replay as episode 131. Thank you all so much for helping us get here. Thank you for being a part of this great community. Thank you for allowing us to walk alongside of you as you help each and every one of those that are also walking alongside of you in succeeding each and every day. We hope that you have enjoyed being a part of this community. I wanna thank you as the host of many of these episodes for helping us come alongside to offer our expertise and perspectives in helping you succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. Thank you so much, and we hope you enjoyed this episode with myself, Mike Sipple Jr., and Shaquilla Ahmad. I am very excited today to have Shaquilla Ahmed in our studio. Today, we will be discussing such topics as courageous leadership, business, philanthropy, and the importance of our community's interfaith efforts. Shaquilla is the president and chair of the board of the Islamic Center of Greater Cincinnati, where she is one of 31 of the new national interfaith group that fight Islamophobia and anti-Semitism in our country and in our community. A dedicated philanthropist in our community and serves as the director of business development for the Allergy and Asthma Specialist Center of Family Business here in Greater Cincinnati, where her and her husband, Dr. Masood Ahmed, serve thousands in our community. I've had the pleasure of knowing you, Shaquilla, for the past seven years when we met serving together in a very important executive search for an interfaith organization in our community, and I'm very proud and honored to call you a friend. So welcome to the studio. Well, thank you. And I'm 
truly humbled and honored to be here. I think it's uh, been a wonderful journey uh, getting to work with Centennial, um, Mike Sipple Sr. and you, Mike, uh, have been both great uh, friends and allies in the community. So thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I truly am honored to have you here as I think through what we're trying to accomplish of elevating leaders' perspectives on key topics in any community, not just the greater Cincinnati community, but but world abroad, as we look at global economics, as we look at community building and family building and relationship building, um, I see no one more prominent than that conversation in this community as you. And I thank you for everything you do. No, thank you. And, uh, you know, and I think it's important for myself to remember and all of us to remember that this work in particular that you're referencing in the complex world that we live in is a partnership. And so it's only fitting that I'm sitting here talking to you as uh, a business leader and we're talking to the audience who are also partners in this work. Yeah, absolutely. So. For the audience listening, and I'm sure for myself, I'll learn something today, a lot of something today. (laughs) Could you share a little bit about your backstory, um, kind of what has inspired you to where you are today, and take us back a little bit, if you wouldn't mind? Well, sure. A lot of people may or may not know, but I actually immigrated to this country and to the city specifically when I was nine years old. Hmm. My father now is a retired professor of education, and it was really for... Uh, he'd done his PhD at uh, IU and uh, Indiana, and uh, we came here for the educational system. We were four little kids and basically, you know, a couple of suitcases and whatnot, and uh, because he had an opportunity to, to be a professor here. And we stayed in Cincinnati because um, it was too cold in Wisconsin, and since, but you would never know that from this past winter. Right. But, um, and you know, he had uh, another colleague who was here. So I grew up in Cincinnati. I'm a Cincinnati girl. This is my village, and um, I've gone to school here. I've uh, you know uh, worked here uh, with IBM for quite a number of years before. I decided to take a permanent leave of absence when we were expecting our third. But, you know, my whole journey is really from the time that I was in Lahore, Pakistan, to moving to Cincinnati as a child and then going for the, through those formative years is that I was always compelled uh, to be uh, both with people that I was culturally the same with, but then religiously and culturally were diverse from me. I felt that even in Pakistan, our best friends were a Christian family who happened to be professors. When we moved here, I was surrounded by people who were all different than me. And so it was something that I think I had to get comfortable with very early and then really embrace it. And I think when you embrace something that is different than you, you have an opportunity to enrich your life more than you have an opportunity to enrich others as well. When you took the step Mm -hmm. to move from IBM Mm -hmm. and some was family, and then you began getting very involved in our community, um, who inspired you and what inspired you to begin that, that journey? I will say I I almost went to work for P&G, but IBM, very much like P&G, is an inspirational company. It helps you to really stretch yourself 
and to give the best of who you are. And so though I left IBM, I think my desire was to now make a greater difference in the areas that I couldn't before. And so having the flexibility in helping to establish the Allergy and Asthma Specialty Center, I began to get engaged in the community. And I think the the two sources of inspiration for me in regards to my community engagement would have to be, number one, my parents. I saw them from when there were a handful of Muslim American families in this region just serving the community in every which way possible without any ego, without any expectation of payback or anything. Um, And then the second, I would say, would be the two mentors that asked me to come and serve on the Islamic Center of Greater Cincinnati's board, Dr. Anayat Malik and Dr. Beher Fouad. Um, Though extremely successful physicians and leaders in their own right in the medical profession, they dedicated an unbelievable amount of time to interfaith work, to um, mentoring me, encouraging me as a young woman with a very young family at that time to get engaged because they felt I had something to contribute and it was important for young women's engagement and women's engagement as a whole in uh, in a leadership capacity. And that just opened the floodgates. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. great. I think it also speaks to those who are listening who happen to be parents that everyone, those little eyes are watching you. And so are the grown eyes watching you, right? I still today learn so much from my parents um, and my in-laws and and how they serve one another and the impact that that can make. And then for those who are listening who say, well, I wish I would, I would, I want to reach out to someone, but I don't know if they would be interested. The impact of those two doctors, physicians reaching out to you and saying, we would like to invite you to help us because we see great potential in what you're doing, um, how powerful that is. You know, that is really a very, very um, thoughtful point that you make is that quite often, not because we don't want to help, not because we don't want to make a difference. I think sometimes we uh, are just so busy in our lives that it does take someone to ask us, say, you know what, I think you have some capability, some capacity, the ability to make a difference, and we would like for you to be engaged. And I will say the areas that I've made the most difference are usually where people have asked me to do something, and I've made a commitment. And then I will also say is that what's been most fulfilling for me is when I have reached out to other people, most of them now, you know, young professionals or uh, just starting out in, you know, with their family establishment times is ask them to be engaged because I see the potential in them. And it's very, very rewarding to, to have them come forth and give all, all that they can give. So share with us a little bit about the, in the last year and a half, all of the work in this community. Again, I put you as a leader who is serving with others, but is at the forefront of what's taking place. And that's been years of work leading up to. Um, but can you share a little bit about where you see some of the greatest opportunities? And as we describe this, for those listening, that wherever you are, communities are doing a lot of this, a lot of this, the same work with different leaders. And hopefully we can all learn and gather great insights from one another. Right. Not only can we learn from one another, 
uh, gather those insights, as you said, but we can also look and see, you know, where do we intersect? Where do we have the opportunity to collaborate together in order to have a greater impact? I mean, that's what makes us from good to great is that the ability to leverage each other's strengths. And so a couple of things that there's so many examples and so many amazing community partners, but a couple of things that come to mind in particular is when the American Jewish Committee um, reached out to me because of other interfaith work that we had done to sit on a national advisory council. And it's Muslim and Jewish leaders from throughout the country in order to really combat hate crimes and to celebrate uh, the contributions that these minority communities have made to making America wonderful and a welcoming place. And, um, and it's been extremely fulfilling in the sense that we have made tremendous headways in, uh, and are about to get um, uh, enhanced hate crimes bill that covers community centers as well as churches, mosques, synagogues, and places that have been threatened over the last couple of years, as you may have read with the Jewish community centers, as we had a bomb threat at the Islamic Center and other threats that we had to deal with. So, um, you know, it, it, it is not okay for our children, for our families to have to deal with that trauma. Um, so I think movement on this hate crime bill that collectively these Jewish and Muslim American leaders have made has been tremendous. And then it has led to then regional councils sprouting up. And so uh, half a dozen throughout the country, and then we're getting ready to establish one in Cincinnati. So this, you know, I think leverages years of relationships with, uh, you know, the bridges of for a just community that you were engaged in as a firm and uh, establishing, um, but also just personal relationships that people have. For, for the business leader listening today mm -hmm. that might be, you know, have individuals who are working for them or they themselves, maybe Jewish or Muslim or Christian, how can they lean into this work? Where do they go? How do they get more engaged? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, one of the, the, the greatest um, things for me is the intersection of the business with this uh, community, human relations, and interfaith work is that I think, you know, we know th this happens to be the week that the whole Starbucks fiasco happened. And we saw, now we hear the CEO is shutting down, um, you know, 8,000 stores in order to do cultural competency work and race, race relations. Well, you know, faith and uh, racial disparities cause a lot of angst in the community. So business leaders have an opportunity to do um, cultural competency work that brings in an interfaith panel. And, uh, you know, schools are doing that at a diversity leadership and inclusion level. Um, but I think uh, some of the things that I've been involved in that have been the most meaningful have been, been with the business community leaders. So, you know, General Electric uh, a few years ago brought all their middle, middle management for uh, uh, an educational program at the Islamic Center, got a tour, had a candid conversation. I've done brown bag lunches at Thompson Hines that involved an interfaith panel. Um, we have 
uh, anti-hate coalition that's being established as we speak that'll be launched um, by the end of April, you know, so people will be able to reach out in order to have diverse community groups come together and to have that unison message of um, working together against hate in a positive and constructive way. So I think business leaders have tremendous opportunity to make a difference, and they have tremendous opportunity to be better and be more successful at what they do because um, they can leverage the talent of each and every individual within their organization and the community that they're trying to serve. Yeah, as we just um, yesterday, we were having a conversation here. How many of our customers, our clients around the world have a majority, um, just a lot of diversity inside their workforce, right? So for you listening, there's a very high likelihood that you have people of all faiths and nationalities and language divides that you can bring closer together and... um, you know, and, and you mentioned the just having candid conversations mm-hmm. um, and for having someone help guide those candid conversations because they can be very uncomfortable for many right. or for most. And how do you make those candid conversations and just more prevalent? And that that could be a part of what you could help them them do. Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, for example, if we Uh, if I go into schools, it's important to understand is that, you know, we work on the premise of the First Amendment uh, and the First Amendment center guidelines is that if, let's say, you are doing an interfaith panel or doing cultural competency on dealing with Muslim Americans or, you know, the Sikh community or Jewish Americans or diverse uh, Christian populations, it's not about it's not preaching about religion. It's teaching about religion. And there is a difference. And that you, you know, you need to make sure, and I need to make sure, is that when you go into, whether it's a workplace, a public school environment, or other community organization, is that it's really about education. And it's about bringing knowledge and the ability to be able to ask questions in a safe and comfortable environment. People have a lot of questions. They have tremendous questions, and they have the right to ask those questions, but the conversation should be facilitated where it's not either offensive or, you know, unnecessarily uh, aggressive where people are feeling, you know, intimidated or whatnot in any way. I think... some of the toughest conversations I've been engaged in um, really help to, I think, enrich your lives uh, tremendously. It doesn't take anything away from you. To I think this is the big thing, Mike, is that, and you understand this, and the work that you do is by learning about other people and understanding them, it doesn't make you any less of who you are. By learning about somebody else's fates, I'm not... You're not less of a Christian. It should actually, in many ways, strengthen your own faith or strengthen your resolve to your family and your values. But your life is enriched. Yeah. I think in, in unique, most likely, that the fact that my dad's been in this industry for 42 plus years, that we all were raised to believe that there's one nation and that God created all people. 
and in coming up with that love for one another, you know, the, uh, we have a team here who just has a love for one another, which helps us understand. We want to understand people and want to get to know people and respect people and build relationships with people. And I think that's part of creating a, a culture that's a talent magnet, right? Absolutely. That asking, asking any questions that you have, there are no question, you know, but doing it in a safe place. Um, and hopefully even for those listening, that this is a safe place to learn about this, right? That, wow, listen to that. I haven't had someone discuss those type of topics, or I didn't even know where to start. I know we need to do something, but, uh, you know, and facilitated candid conversations, um, learning what inclusion means, what the values of that mean and why, and look around you, right? Look around your office today, look around your shop floor today, Look around your world when you're at Kroger, when you're out in your uh, baseball fields or soccer fields or, you know, people are different, right? And it's really cool to have lots of friends who are very different than you um, in so many ways, whatever that difference might right. be. And sometimes we work at it and sometimes it comes naturally, but whichever one it is, uh, you know, your comfort level uh, your ability to be able to exchange and grow as a result. I mean, I think the best way to learn is through individual people relationships. And the more you can expand that, the more the opportunity for you to learn is. Yeah. And, and the, um, not just the, you know, the difference all of a sudden starts going away and right. you realize how similar we all are. Yeah. There, there's right. tremendous, tremendous commonalities. And I think uh, when people want to create discord, they focus on only the differences. And there's always differences. I don't agree with my husband all the time. Right. I mean, right. it's like right. we don't, you know, even in the practice, we don't always agree. But, you you know, you work together and you learn from one another. Yeah, the, the team chemistry component, getting to know people is about getting to know their differences, yeah. what motivates, what demotivates, mm -hmm. their values, your values, where there's commonality. And uh, and it it can be culture it can be transformational for any corporate culture, and any culture of of our community. Absolutely. Um, could you share a little bit more about um, other parts of work in terms of creating a healthy and vibrant community that you're involved with today? Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about. I didn't really talk uh, other than this interfaith work and the cultural competency work. Um, the Islamic Center of Greater Cincinnati is, you know, it, it's a community organization, uh, institution. And so a um, couple of things that I'm particularly very passionate and proud of is, you know, and it's one is tied to uh, our previous conversation is um, the fact that we have a very open door policy in terms of welcoming people. We get about 4,000 visitors a year. Uh, you know, participated in guiding to, guided tours or other conversation. But we have a Know Your Neighbor program on the first Saturday of every month where people can just come with their family, with their kids. If they want a business group or a church group to come, they can do that. And you get, a you know, kind of a walking, talking tour, but then you have the opportunity to sit down and break some bread. And it's not just about, yes, knowing your Muslim American neighbors, but you might meet someone from Madeira that you had never known uh, were part of this particular community or somebody from over the Rhine or whatever the case might be. So I think the, the know your neighbor concept is one that we can probably begin to use in many places and many communities. Um, the other aspect of the work that I'm very passionate about is um, really um, 
that there are people in our community um, that have been left behind. And so the issues of poverty, the issues of social services needs, uh, domestic violence um, are ones that are uh, very much needing people's support, my support, our institution's support. So we have a phenomenal team that does uh, uh, Rahma Social Services. Rahma means mercy, um, but it's a social services program that, um, you know, works individually to serve diverse community needs, um, obviously Muslim American needs, but then also works with Catholic Charities and Refugee Connect and, you know, other, um, we go and feed uh, the homeless shelters at least three times a month. And so, you know, I think it allows us to realize how blessed we are in many ways, and then at the same time, how much responsibility we have to our neighbors that are um, not in the, you know, the same positive circumstances. So I think, I mean, there's so many social justice work with the YWCA and racial equity work are all kind of intertwined to this concept of serving the community and uplifting the community as a whole. Um, and I, you, you could keep me here all day to I talk know, about wonderful. those things. Well, but, again, uh, I think there's a lot of things, you know, for me, who's very involved in our community and involved in the early childhood education space and the poverty work that's going on, I still learn something every single week and every day. Um, so I think the great part is this is why we're doing this, right, for people to share. And no matter where they are, the likelihood is there's something very similar in their community, right? So if they're in Cincinnati or if they're in Oklahoma or if they're in Los Angeles or if they're in Dubai or Milan or Amsterdam, there's a likelihood there's something like the conversation we're having in their community. And and it sounds like a very inviting, open invitation for most. Pick up the phone, call, and you know we'll provide some of the details and links that, that you've referenced. Uh, but that's the beauty of this conversation, right? It's just, wow, I didn't know of all of the work that's going on. You know, we also, uh, you, I know you have international clients, but, you know, the Islamic Center, along with other uh, local regional institutions, is a stop um, by State Department visitors that are part of the International Visitors Leadership Program. So we get people from, you know, time to time from all over the, the world that want to know about pluralism in America, about Muslim Americans, about what is it that we're doing in order to address issues of racial disparities or, you know, the social services needs. So I think, you know, we have an, you absolutely are right that we have an opportunity to reach and share positive things with people no matter where they are. There's there's so much in the reference of the Know Your Neighbor program, mm-hmm. right? Know your neighbor and your work. You know, there's there's workforces that work for the same companies that work on different shifts that may not even know one another. Absolutely. Uh, and there's different aspects of organizations and divisions and but even in your own community. Um, fortunately, I'm I'm in a community raising children in a community that's very inviting and very engaging, um, but doesn't have a lot of diversity in our direct neighborhoods. Although our school has 37 different languages um, spoken. So, um, you know, and our, that's, that's why our children are there. It was a real attraction for us as a, as a um, 
proud product of an independent public inner city school program in Covington Independent Schools. Uh, we wanted great diversity around our children. And, um, and it's amazing the relationships. Mm-hmm. At a children's age, they really see no difference. Right. Absolutely. And I and I and I pray that they continue to grow up. You know, the environment you're providing for them and the school is providing that for them is so important. And so it's our responsibility as community and business and civic leaders to continue to provide those opportunities um, where people can interchange and they can see all of the ways that they connect with one another. All of us, we all should be working on doing that more. Absolutely. It's also leading in languages. I had a, um, a relationship tell me last, you know, we were having a conversation just last year. And he said that your children listen to the words that you use. They don't just watch you. They hear how you come home from work. They hear how you share in your with your friends, with your relatives about other people. And then guess what they do because they love you? They go and model your behavior, right? So again, if we can get individuals to just recognize that, that, um, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, as an HR manager, as a, you know, environmental health and safety professional, as a salesperson, when you go home and share about your environment, the people around you, the work you do, you know, what message do your children or younger people around you hear and this is a major part of that equation. One of the things that I uh, just recently got engaged, and I actually encouraged uh, Mason City Schools to begin community conversations, but community conversations not just between the community and the school, but to engage um, the city of Mason and their leadership and to engage the business leadership through the Chamber of Commerce. And so... Now, and I hosted uh, one of the very first ones, is have these conversations in homes where you bring business leaders together, school leaders together, as well as, you know, government civic leaders together to talk. Because it's not just about what we teach in the schools. It's not just about you doing value-based ethical business leadership. It's about what those conversations are at the dinner table. What are the things that we're communicating when others are not watching? And how is it that we're presenting, you know, our neighbors and our fellow Americans that are different than us? And so I think uh, we need to take that conversation to that level. The message we've built around the Talent Magnet Institute podcast is developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. And there's so much to unpack in those topics. Um, but, you know, that relationship piece, that life perspective, your work, it all intersects and it all, you know, permeates the same message. And what are you giving in all of those components? And and how are you impacting others with your languages and the conversations you're having? It does take a little bit of courage, I think, to, you know, to say, you know, maybe I don't know everyone and everything about them that I think I do. And maybe I need to let other people to have their voice represent themselves. And so I think, you know, modeling that behavior, that courageous leadership is extremely important for particularly 
in this particular conversation for our business leadership community because, you know, a few years ago, the business leaders weren't even talking about poverty, even though that was the underlying cause. They weren't even talking about it. And so, you know, I think some of these issues are absolutely in that same category is that we have to elevate that conversation, um, the courage to have those conversations at that business leadership level. Well, hopefully this is a great encouragement. Um, it, ha- it is for me. I, you know, when I look at your, our interactions, you're so inviting, you're so um, loving and kind to people. And I think anyone listening who knows you would go, that's the Shaquille I know. Um, and, <laughs> I, but I don't you, know, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> at, at least, um, you know, but the courageous leadership is such a big part of that, that you're, you're in, you're serving this world in a very difficult space and you're doing it in such an encouraging way, an inviting way for people to want to ask more questions and help people understand more and realize that, wow, we're just, you know, um, I've had the opportunity to get to know at least one of your children and, you know, and just understand your family and meeting your husband and having dinner and breaking bread and all. It's just, um, you know, it's wonderful to know you personally. And wonderful for them as well. Yeah. So to have that, I mean, yeah, I mean, people just have so many preconceived notions about what a Muslim woman is all about, what do Muslims believe, what, you know, how does that relate to business leadership? And, you know, you've been able to cut through all of that and see that for yourself. And then I applaud your courageous leadership for, you know, wanting to share that with people because a lot of people just don't even realize that, oh, wow, I can I can learn so many other things versus the preconceived notions that I might have about Muslim women from the media. Yeah, the the knowing your neighbor concept, it might even be the title that we put on this podcast because um, it's just so powerful, mm. right? You know, that means so much and, and, um, and it's so involved, um, but it's, it's a much needed aspect for the world today. Right. To know our neighbors. Right. It's complex, but yeah, we can make it simple, can't we? There are ways to make it simple and make it easy, I guess I should say. Let's uh, take me back a little bit. You shared some work you had done with GE and some mm-hmm. dialogues that they had created for their mid-level managers. Mm-hmm. Could you unpack a little bit more about what that looks like? And for, again, for those listening can hear that and go, wow, that we never thought about doing that. Right. So... You know, we, and again, like any large corporation, and these days even small corporation, they have all kinds of diversity. It could be religious diversity, ethnic, social, um, you know, linguistic. And so GE has a number of uh, people that have various cultural backgrounds, and GE does business all over the world, the way that you're beginning to do business all over the world. And so, you know, they realize that they... um, this is obviously post 9-11, that there were sometimes tensions, sometimes deep misunderstandings, and then inhibiting factors that were allowing them to be as successful as they would like. So a couple of people took the leadership. I had reached out, you know, to them. That was before I was board chair and uh, in charge of the tours and talks program. So we invited them and they invited, you know, I think we had almost 200 people. 
it was quite a bit. And then, uh, and subsequently, we've had small groups, people that were getting ready to go, you know, to Dubai or other parts of the world to do business. But, you know, we, uh, we understood that there was uh, some base level education that was needed. So um, uh, the Islamic Center is part of a national speakers bureau that has very vetted presentation, cultural competency presentations on, you know, managers dealing with uh, Muslim American or other diverse populations. And so we did a presentation, we did question and answer, and some of it, you know, did get a little tense, but you can't be afraid to welcome people to ask questions if you really want to try to bridge those gaps. And then we had a walking, talking tour experience that allowed people to understand that Oh, going to a mosque is no different than going to a church or to a temple or a synagogue. And so this is the protocol if I happen to be doing business somewhere else. And, you know, and people are talking about the adhan or the call for prayers um, or the dietary restrictions or not eating during Ramadan, then it's not something that's foreign to me. It's something that's comfortable and easy for me. And so... Um, I think it was the beginning. I think those things are always, um, you know, being at the front end of that continuous learning that can occur. And I think what um, there and other places, what that allowed us to do is just for them to open up the conversation in-house. Now GE does like a culture, I forget what it's called, cultural, but, but you know, they, they have so many different affinity groups where then the employees themselves share about their, you know, cultures and, um, you know, holidays and celebrations and family life and so on and so forth. And so, and and they're not the only one. I mean, uh, I think, you know, what, from uh, the Girl Scouts to uh, business leaders to obviously houses of worship, I think we all have an opportunity to learn about the others in a safe environment. Yeah, we have seen several, you know, small, middle-sized organizations realize that to be more inclusive, we also need to know, we need to know our people, right? Right. We need to understand how our quote-unquote guidelines and handbooks align to all of our people, not just those who put the handbooks and guidelines together, right? And And many... I've even had a couple um, get very emotional about it, that for years we employed individuals who had different beliefs and practices personally that our guidelines and policies really weren't welcoming to, right? And from the food trucks we would put on job sites to the holidays that we would celebrate and even the ones that were optional or elective weren't culturally sensitive and understanding of all of our people, Um and there's some real awakenings that can happen in that, right? Absolutely. And even little little pockets of exposure can make can open up that window to that further learning. I mean, for coming up here uh, very shortly, the American Bar Association is having their national meeting. And so um, a mutual friend of ours, Mike Hawkins, oh, yes. who's uh, – with Densmore is involved in the leadership and the diversity and inclusion council. And, you know, he asked if the imam from the Islamic Center could come and open the session and, and share some thoughts about some of these exact commonalities and issues. And so, 
you know, that will be a little window that some may take and open a lot further and say, oh, I've got clients that I could understand a lot better. I've got people that I'm serving in other capacities and, you know, or fellow colleagues. So, you know, I think uh, that's another small example of, I think, what business leaders and community leaders could um, could be engaged in. Um, brown bag lunch at a number of organizations, including Cincinnati Bell, is something that I've engaged in in the past. And um, and then, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who actually choose to come and host a meeting. Uh, Leadership Cincinnati is a prime example of where, you know, they host one of their full days of diversity and inclusion on the grounds of the Islamic Center with lots of other speakers coming in. And then a small portion of the day, they do something very experiential in terms of going into the mosque and see the immense diversity that's just within the Muslim American community that's here right in their backyards. Yeah, so another way to, as you're evaluating options of things to do with your team and to get outside your walls of your organization, there's lots of different opportunities to do that. There really are. really open eyes and hearts. Have people, you know, come in, you could do a panel, you could do a speaker, you could do brown bug, you could just do, uh, you know, uh, breaking bread where, you know, you share the diversity of cultures that within your organization And then, of course, experiential learning, whether it's, you know, going to another place like the Islamic Center is a great way for people to get out of, you know, the same old comfort zone and to experience something, a physical space as well as, um, you know, the individuals that are involved in that space is, uh, I think, immensely beneficial. Are there other, if you had, again, individuals listening, if you could have them take away one thought, one idea one new perspective, what would you share with those listening? I would just say, don't assume that you know what other people stand for and what they're all about. In my case, a Muslim woman, in terms of my capacity to be a leader in the Muslim community is not something that people would normally uh, think of when they think of a Muslim woman. They would think of a Muslim woman in a burqa, and that might be less than 1% of the world Muslim population. But not making those assumptions and not taking the stereotypical sign bites that you see on the mass media as representative of an entire people or a culture. And to take that bold step of making those personal connections and leveraging the opportunities that you have as an individual or as an organization to learn about others in order to make up your own mind. You still may not like them. That's okay. But you're not making assumptions that are based on somebody else's false premises. So open up your minds by wanting to learn about others. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think I I will, we will put in the show notes um, and I put it down here for, to read uh, the definition of interfaith. Again, a lot of people, that phrase to some makes sense. To others, they don't even, I don't even know what that is. I've not heard what interfaith is. It's true. In, the interfaith dialogue refers to a cooperative, constructive, and positive interaction between people of different religious traditions and or spiritual or humanistic beliefs at both the individual and institutional level. And um, 
you know, so thank you again for your leadership in that space of loving and leading people well. And I mean, your true executive leadership, your impact, your personal leadership of you and your family, because um, you walk together in much of this. So, um, and I know the encouragement and inspiration for me as a business leader, as someone trying to lead well in this space and inspire others to do so, and also philanthropy and your involvement in our community and impact on our community is tremendous. There's so many ways we can give. Yeah. We just have to open up our heart and our mind Absolutely. to give. <laughs> Absolutely. And be willing to ask questions, yeah. right? Okay. And to lean on others and encourage others to do the same. Um, so thank you again for serving courageously. And um, I look forward to our next conversation. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for doing what you're doing, Mike, and uh, to all of your friends and colleagues here. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.